Hi, I'm Dora from Dora Nicolau and my drink of choice is a chai. I'm Gemma from Contently Driven and my drink of choice is red wine. And I'm Michaela from Inspired Office and my drink of choice is a sparkling white wine. Work-life wine time supports the responsible consumption of alcohol. (laughs) (laughs) Hello and welcome to episode 84 of the Work-Wife Wine Time podcast. The podcast for Australian women in business who are looking for connection and the support of other women who are sharing the same business journey. You've got Michaela here with you today, and I'm really excited to connect you with my guest, Susie Cooper, who is a friend of mine and who is also a professional communicator. So Susie, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. My absolute pleasure. So to start us off, before we jump into the topic of today's podcast, can you just tell us a little bit about who you are and what it is that you do as a communicator? Okay, big question. Uh, I help smart women to have more influence. I suppose that's it in a nutshell. I love it. Uh, yeah, and I do that by helping them to be seen and heard as their best selves. Fantastic. So, like, what what kind of, ex- like, experience or background do you have that brought you into this? I think what brought me into this was trying to solve my own problem. They often <laughs> say that you should start a business that solves the problem you have. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> uh, and um, I... I uh, grew up, I suppose, as a tomboy and I um, worked in male-dominated industries and I never had to worry too much about how I looked or, and I was, I always thought, well, I'll be perceived based on what I do, that, that you know, my, my appearance shouldn't have anything to do with how I'm perceived. Uh, and then I worked in, in the corporate world and, and even in the, those male-dominated industries, um, of course, how you look <laughs> um, affects how you're seen. It's um, People are always looking for clues about, I, I, can we trust you? Are you credible? Are you professional? Do mm-hmm. you know what you're talking about? We're always looking for clues in other people to, see, to, to answer those kinds of questions. Um, and then when I worked in the corporate world and I had to dress in a corporate way, I had no idea how to put myself together. And it really bothered me. And I thought, well, maybe some people just have it. Is this a skill that you can learn? Or is this some people just have it and some people never have it? And so I set about trying to learn it because I, I like to break things down and yeah. I like to figure things out. That's most of, most of my work is figuring things out and explaining it to people. Um, and so, yeah, I engaged different professionals to try to help me work out uh, things about my career, things about my own personal style, uh, how I show up, how I speak, how I, how I get my message across. Uh, and I've always been so interested. All of my roles have been helping people get a message across, basically. That's, that's what it boils down to. That's No matter which role I was given, that was what I ended up doing. Um, so, and I just was fascinated with... Oh, this is actually a, um, a collection of skills you could learn. Yeah. yeah. That's really cool because I, like I used to work in federal government, so I suppose that was, it was like a corporate environment, was all suits, like mm. suit, all suits all the time. But um, 
as like you know me well enough to know that my suits were all like black or navy like I always just dressed really safe just did what everyone else was doing because I have no clue about that sort of thing either like the communication side of things I could always um work out like the verbal communication but yeah as far as coming to how I dressed and how I presented I always just went with the safe kind of well if it's dark and (laughs) it's conservative then it should be fine yeah so it's safe and look I've got to say most of my clients are they're they're nerdy women I'm a nerdy woman yeah and they're really good at what they do this is what led me into this I kept seeing these really smart women who are very good at what they do yeah being overlooked for positions of influence and I thought I want those smart women making decisions (laughs) I don't want some of the other people I see um, who turn up somewhere say the right things look the right way and who cannot do the job getting into positions of influence so my I guess my dastardly plan behind what I do is I want to see more women and non-binary people and underrepresented people in general in decision-making roles. And so part of me was thinking, okay, so they know they know their stuff, they've got great skills. Why are they not either confident and feeling confident enough to put themselves forward, or they are overlooked? And so that does come down to the way they communicate what they know, and we communicate through our appearance and our body language and the words we use when we write and the words we use when we speak. So um, since I'd amassed those kinds of skills myself and I had built them in a very deliberate way by going and learning them, I thought, well, I can help other people to learn those skills too Mm. to the point where they don't have to be amazing at any of those things. They just have to be proficient. Yep. I love it. That's fantastic. So what was it that brought you or prompted you to make the decision to work for yourself? I've always liked variety. Yeah. <laughs> and I could never see myself sitting in a cubicle working at the same job forever. Uh, so I made up my job so that it was a job that I could have as much variety as I wanted. So I called myself a communicator. Um, and that lets me write and it lets me draw and it lets me train people and it lets me go into corporate environments and talk about how we communicate. Um, so it gives me the variety I want. And how long have you been working for yourself? Have you oh, worked- yeah, since 2001. So Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah. So you're well-practised? Oh, I, I, it's a constant work in progress. I don't, think, I don't think I've arrived. I don't ever want to arrive because I'd be bored. <laughs> yeah. And things change around you. So that's, yeah, that's what we're working with. A world that changes around us and a body that changes and our own interests change. So it would be artificial to think that you, you know, attained something and you can set it and forget it. Absolutely. And that that's a really great segue. Thank you for that. So the reason that I've asked Susie to come on the podcast today, so she's a friend of mine and we've worked together, but I've also, or Susie has also worked with me as my stylist to help me work out colors and like just how to dress in a way that actually complements so basically she stopped me wearing black although today I'm wearing a gray jumper but (laughs) the bottom half is not as dark (laughs) um 
And so I wanted to share with our audience um, some of the, because I absolutely love how, you know, you do call yourself a communicator and you're not just about physical appearance. Like it's the whole package, which I think is so important and can be so missed because I've worked with people before um, who have helped me improve my public speaking skills when I hadn't done it for a long time. And I've worked with you before on my website copy and trying to communicate my message. And I just love that you kind of wrap everything up all in together to help, you know, communicate every part of the message, not just a little bits and pieces. So that's why I brought you here today because I I just really wanted to share this with our audience because I think it's fantastic. But also you've come up with, let's call it a concept called being fade-proof or how to avoid being fade-proof. So can you start by telling us what does it mean to be fade-proof? I kept meeting women who said to me they feel like they're fading. And that would often be because their hair colour was changing or they'd reached a particular point in their career and they were not being heard in meetings. They felt like they're disappearing. And I thought, oh, my God, these are exactly the people we need leading us. They cannot be allowed to fade. You know, I I want them to be fade-proof. I want them to have the ability to uh, be seen and heard and have their valuable skills. I I want us to use their valuable skills. And so... I realised what I had in common with all these women I was working with was often they're going through a period of change or and just they've lost their mojo, I suppose, that they mm-hmm. feel like they're fading, they feel like um, they're not quite sure where to go next, usually something's shifted. And then I thought, well, our bodies keep changing, our lives keep changing, Our so what's a method? And I, and I thought, well, I actually in my own life have developed a method of um, reassessing, so to be Bad proof is to have a method of reassessing reasonably regularly in your life or when something changes to say, well, where am I at at the moment? So it's like a tune-up or a tune-in to how do you stay current? Mm-hmm. That's that's to me the, the, the essence of this is how do you stay current, not trendy, but if someone meets you, do you look and sound like you have current skills and ideas and you know you have some certain amount of energy and um you live in this world today you're not somebody with ideas from 20 years ago we can't write you off Mm. (laughs) as soon as we look at you um so as part of that it's the the method of being fade proof up and get people to come up with a a phrase so this is something when I work with entrepreneurs they've done that kind of work and like you were saying they've got a good idea of well what do they stand for or their values or what are they offering? So how would you like to be perceived, I suppose, in the yeah. world? Or how do you want to show up? <laughs> and often I'll get people to come up with almost just a couple of words, so a short phrase. And um, that can be their guiding force in terms of then, well, what words do they, which, so which words do they use? Um, what might they choose to wear? Obviously, within given the context of what whatever they're going to be doing, um, but you, that is that. Okay, here's this sense of who I am when someone meets me. Am I dressing so someone gets the sense of that? Mm-hmm. And it's not this. You have the one outfit, and that's you know that's what you wear to everything because that's that's not how we work. You don't wear the same thing. You can be the same person and go to a funeral 
and be dressed appropriately and be the same person and go to work and be dressed appropriately. I'm not, you, it's not like you develop this persona and you're just the exact same, you dress exactly the same way everywhere you go. But there is a sense in everything you wear and in the words you use where someone will think, oh, okay, so whatever that phrase might be. Um, so you might want to be approachable and reliable mm-hmm. or you might want to be, oh, I don't know, um, a militant gardener. you know glittering space cowboy um whatever your term is or how you would like to be seen or how you feel then to think okay so when I go to that funeral what elements could I bring into the way I what I wear or how I present that would give someone this idea of um you might you might think well I want people to see that I'm um you know a serious intellectual person um that would shift your idea about what you might choose to wear for mm-hmm. different occasions um so it would drives be crazy when you go to oh i suppose to a you know to a boutique or, or somewhere where you say where someone's helping you and use and they'll say just wear what you like oh my god and it's so unhelpful like i just yes. feel like it's one of the most unhelpful phrases when when you really don't know and you're looking for some help but then they don't know you. <laughs> so, but but I often think, well, but what if I like actually is just something that would look better as a cushion? <laughs> and it doesn't look any good on me. Or it doesn't say to people when I go to a business meeting, I am an uh I am a credible professional person. Okay, so if someone has identified that, you know, they identify with the the feelings and the thoughts that you've talked about so they they feel that they're fading what do you suggest they do like what are some steps that we can take to change that for ourselves uh usually when I work with people I do that little exercise of well what are a few words that describe how you want to feel or how you want to be perceived when you show up Mm -hmm. so um and they can be as creative as you like or they can be as sensible as you like. But if, what, is the, what are some words that describe the you that you want someone to meet when they see you across the room before they've ever spoken to you? Mm-hmm. And then you can use those words. So if you go into a shop or you're thinking about what to wear, think, okay, so what would that person, if I look at those three words or those two words, what would that person choose to wear? Mm-hmm. Because it abstracts it away from you. Because you don't know what to wear. Fine. <laughs> like, yes. Because a lot of people get really stressed about when they're dressing. And I'm and so one of them. Yeah. Look, and I still am too. Like I have to play this sort of game in my head of, okay, well, what would, you know, I've decided this is the person I am. These are the values I have. I know that's true. You know, I have, um, and uh, for a long time I worked with the words creative professional because mm-hmm. I had to work in corporate environments, but I didn't want to look really too corporate. And because people were employing me because I had different ideas. So they, but they needed to know that I would fit within their context. So I couldn't look so creative that they think, oh my goodness, what would she know? Yeah. Um, she's just got, just sort of turned up on a unicycle. Um, <laughs> and, you know, um, so creative and professional. So then I would, within that, I think, okay, what would a creative professional person wear? How do I get that across? Um, so in that context, I would think, okay, the professional context 
they're looking for clues that I understand them and what they do. So I would wear a blazer, but I'd wear a blazer in a great color. Mm-hmm. Um, and I w- or and I would wear closed shoes, and I'd wear you know probably fitted pants, and I you know I wouldn't show a lot of skin. So all those things that you we all know that you do or don't do. No sequin boob tubes, you know. <laughs> um, no long leather coats. Um, I would wear their uniform with a creative twist. Uh-huh. And so that creative twist is based on those words that you've identified. Yeah, for me, that was oh, and so, yep, yep. So, um, and so different, someone might say, oh, they want to be, um, you know, warm and approachable might be their words. So, okay, so warm and approachable in different contexts, they might decide. Also, because I often work with clients and they're, they are really nerdy people. All of them are nerdy people. They're all people who want some rules to help to work this out. Yeah, I'm I'm willing to accept that that title. I'm very happy to be included <laughs> in the nerdy people. Yeah, and I want the nerdy people to run the world. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, and I want them to not have to worry about what they're wearing. That's the other thing is I don't expect someone to care about this. I want them to be able to reach in their wardrobe and if they want a uniform, they can pull something out almost without looking at it and they can show up to the event they're showing up to and they will be taken seriously and um, get their ideas across. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not expecting them to suddenly love style and shopping. I, I shop for people. I help people put together outfits. I have people call me and say, I'm doing this event, what do I wear? And I say, okay, you know, I'll help them actually work out what they're going to wear because then they don't have to think about it. But they all know it's important Mm. uh, in terms of them getting to where they want to be, but they're never going to care about it particularly. Does that make sense? Yes. They want to to care about it to solve the problem in order to move on to do the thing they want to do. That's what I want to help people to do. I totally relate to that. Yes, that that (laughs) is so true. It's like that's why I've worked with you. It's like I know that I need to care. But I don't want to, but it's like you said, it's just solving a problem. Yeah. Um, also, some of my clients start off not caring and then they they do find it really creative and interesting. So they're often people who love um, crafting or quilting or um, they love colour, they love textiles. Mm-hmm. And so they have always been interested, but they didn't know how to do it on themselves. And so once we unlock, and I, I go through it pretty nerdy way, I suppose, but um, seeing I will look at you as design. I will look at you as a piece of art and I will then work from there and say, these are colours, these are textures, these are shapes that work on you as an object, I suppose, or as if you're a poster, for example. Um, And then I can teach you those rules and then you can use it yourself without me. I don't want you to have to rely on me forever. And then if your colouring changes or you change your hair or you change your preferences, you still know how to do that again for yourself. Mm. Okay. So it sounds like you approach personal style from a mix of a logical scientific point of view as well as an artistic one. Is that fair to say? I approach personal style from two directions. One is from a scientific direction because I do have a science degree and that's where my career began. Mm -hmm. But also from an artistic point of view. But art is really based on um science to some degree it's based on things you observe it's um you can break it down into rules and guidelines that you then can break (laughs) so Mm -hmm. um I guess I'm interested in helping people to see themselves 
uh, a little more dispassionately mm-hmm. and uh, I'm not interested in making you pretty. I'm interested in you showing up and people getting a sense of you. Mm-hmm. And that's that the people I work with are interested in that. And so then it's a case of, okay, well, we're so accustomed to looking at ourselves that we don't really see ourselves anymore. Like we, we tend to focus on the things we don't like or we focus on what we're not. And I think um, the way that I get people to look at themselves is, uh, again, to see themselves as design. So I'm saying, oh, what's the lightest thing about your colouring? What's the darkest thing about your colouring? What's um, really getting away from how you feel about yourself to actually just be able to see how you are right now. And I actually think psychologically that's a great shift to be able to make because then you can come out from behind yourself. You can, yeah. you can stop being hung up on on those things and you can be in charge of how you present yourself. Yeah. Now that makes a lot of sense because then instead of like looking in the mirror and seeing you and all the things you don't like about yourself, you're looking in the mirror and seeing what you're wearing and the if that kind of how that gels with the rules and the guide guidelines that you've set for that particular person. Well, talking about me, you know, I can see that thinking from this point of view would give me the ability to instead of looking and going, oh, you know, my hair's all wrong and all this sort of stuff to actually be able to look at the clothes I'm wearing and go, yes, that works, but it needs this. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's what I'm after for people. It gives you the skills to choose what you wear uh, to fit in or to have the kind of effect you want to have when you go somewhere. Mm. So, so you would have your own palette of your best colours and you'd have clothes in your wardrobe that, you know, look good on you and they fit you and, and you can then use those colours and those styles to fit into different circumstances. So when you need to fit in, you might wear colours that actually make, are more muted or that help you be a little more in the background. If, but it, sometimes you need to be heard and sometimes mm. you might be getting up to speak and or you might be in a crowded room and you need people to know that you are the person to talk to if they need some help or um, then it doesn't make sense for you to dress to blend in. Mm. So the more you know about how you're perceived and the colours you can wear and the effect of those colours on other people, the more you can use those as a form of communication. Awesome. So my next question for you, and this one was very relevant to me. (laughs) So do you tell everyone to stop wearing black or is it just me? (laughs) (laughs) It's so strange. People, everyone's frightened. I'm going to say you can never wear black again and I'm going to come to your house and take away all your black clothing. Um, No, some people look really good in black, but I find a lot of women buy black because it's safe and um, I think it's slimming or it's a good uniform, but often it's just safe and it's a good default. Uh, usually I show people, we go through, a, um, so with you, we went through and I, we swatched lots of different colours on you so you could see in the mirror. Mm. Um, some colours look really great on you and some colours made you look like you needed a, a sort of a liver transplant <laughs> or, you know, some of those colours you would wear if you wanted a sick day and you, yeah. someone, you wanted someone to say, oh, are you okay? You don't look very well. Um so you saw for yourself different colours against your skin. Some looked fantastic and some of them just didn't look so great. And mm. some of them were okay. Um, so often when women 
see the colors that look really good on them. And then, then we compare it with the black. They're just like, oh, okay, well, yeah, I could, I could wear black, but I know if I did, it doesn't do that much for me. Mm. Uh, and yeah, and usually I say, okay, well, keep, keep your black things, but let's wear some more color up right up near your face. So mm. often I've, I've still got black things in my wardrobe and I don't look good in black at all, but I wasn't going to replace those expensive things that I'd bought. Uh, but I would do, I'd just reach for them a lot less and mm. I'll always wear a scarf up near my face. But if, if you find that you're always putting on extra lipstick or blusher or um, trying to counteract the effect of whatever you're wearing, that's a fairly good indication that um, it's not making you look really well. What you put on should make you look really good without mm. any makeup. You shouldn't have to use makeup to make up for it. Makeup to make up. Makeup to make up. I love that. As someone who doesn't like wearing makeup or can't wear a lot of makeup, it's like I love that. And I have to say that a lot of the colours, well, not a lot, probably a lot, about half the colours that you showed me, I was like, no, really? (laughs) (laughs) But they looked good on me. Like that was a real surprise. It's not like, you know, pink, for example, like I think that I often look very red, yet there was a, a pinky kind of maroon colour that I'm probably, like I am not good with colours. I What do I call myself? That I am um, design challenge. So my description of this colour is probably way off. But to me it was a pinky maroon kind of colour. And I thought, no way, that's going to make me look really like pink and blotchy, but it actually had the complete opposite effect. It's almost like it, I don't know, evened out my skin tone or something. And that was not what I was expecting at all. Yeah, it's quite interesting. I've got a few clients who have rosacea or they have, you know, sort of they colour up really quickly and they'll say, oh, I can't wear any red because it just makes me look more red. And often we'll go through all the different swatches and the same thing that you saw, there will be some reds or some oranges or some um pinks that smooth you out so if if you're finding you're wearing a red and you're looking really blotchy uh it's probably because it's too warm or it's too cool for you uh and I would say if you get the chance just go into shops when um when you're feeling like it (laughs) because not everyone (laughs) likes to shop um and try it just hold up a few different reds in front of you just just go and just use it as an experiment and just think okay over time I'm just gonna hold up a bunch of reds in front of me and see are there better ones or worse ones mm. and um and if you're not sure why you know ask the sales assistant and say what what's different between this red and that red and they might say oh that's really warm and that's really cool and what when I say warm I'm thinking about the reds that have a lot of yellow in them mm-hmm. and when I say cool I'm thinking about reds that have blue in them but but sometimes it's it, it's the, all the difference in oh, think of a like a primary color red like a, at the circus, yep. As opposed to a more muted red. Not many people look good in that pure bright Bobo the Clown kind of level punch you in the face red. Mm-hmm. Like it's pretty dominant. So it might just be it's too bright for you, or it's too muddy and dull for you. Yeah. So talking about like finding the best colours for each of us as an individual, like there seem to be a lot of apps and online quizzes that, you know, designed to help people work out their colours. So from your point of view and, you know, not just flogging it saying no because you're a, you're a personal stylist, but 
are they actually helpful to people at all? I don't know. I mean, I love quizzes and I love those sorts of things. And I used to do them because I was trying to problem solve. And um, I think they are not necessarily useful because I've noticed that sometimes it depends on the quality of the photo you've taken. Well, often it does depend on the quality of the photo you're taking because it's not very smart. It's just picking up whatever colours are in the image that it's got. Mm-hmm. So um, so if you had a picture of yourself taken at a sort of a, a, a shadowy window or um, you near some paintwork that's throwing a yellow cast onto your skin or something like that, um, it's going to say, oh, you're warm and you're muted and you're whatever. Um, mm-hmm. So, and I've everyone's probably seen those quizzes where it's like uh, look at the color of the veins in your wrist and you know if they're have you seen those if they're blue you're something you're cool and if it's purple or and no. I just, oh, or if you're green you're if yeah it's I feel like that people want to have answers um I feel like actually rather than using those quizzes um you're probably better off to it, to think about your wardrobe and is there something you wear where people always respond to you really positively where they're like oh you look good today or you look nice today or you look well is there think about something you wear that you love to you love to pick up that you know makes you feel really good and that people respond to you really positively and then I would take that to different shops and I would look for things that go with that mm-hmm and that's where you could ask sales assistants to help you as well. Um, and, yeah, it's uh, – yeah, I struggled with this for years because I, I, I just could not see myself. Like I, I go look in the mirror and I could not see – you know, you'd see all those different – there's different types of, and methods people would use in their um, – the old summer, winter, spring, um, mm. autumn – uh, I did that colour um, analysis in the 90s, I think, and um, but there's only four and there's obviously a lot more subtlety in people's colouring. Uh, and then I went and found a stylist who works out of Melbourne called Imogen Lamport and she does a really great training course and she'll I would highly recommend her if you wanted to have your colours done, she can do them online uh, or in person. And... Um, and she's got a method that I use, which is got 18 different palettes. So it'll give you um, what I give people is kind of their own Dulux color chart, I suppose, yeah. of here's your best colors, here's why, here's what I can see looking at you, here's what you can see when you look at you. So you're learning how to take that when you go shopping. Um, and so I often would say to someone, so in your case, Makala, we worked out that you are you're more cool than warm. So you look you don't look that great in and the easiest way for us to tell that on you was to hold up something olive Mm -hmm. um or something kind of in a really yoky warm yellow (laughs) um yep and so I would say if you're doing it playing along at home get something olive and something yoky yellow um sort of a very warm yellow sort of mustardy maybe be good uh and hold that right underneath your chin and see what does it do to your face so does it make you look smooth and clear or does it make you suddenly have blotches on your cheeks or dark under eye circles or just not look very well 
Mm. Um, so to me, if those if those colours look okay on you, you're probably warm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, if those colours look terrible on you, which they look terrible on me, and, and I remember they they didn't do the best things for you um, because you're not you're not you know you don't have any warm um, characteristics in your colouring. Uh, so that would be my my biggest clue. I would get um, some Barbie pink kind of colour as well, uh, and. That's another really good one. So if you can hold the Barbie pink colour under your chin, again, have a look at how that um, how that affects your skin tone. Uh, so if that looks terrible on you and the olives and the, the sort of um, yolky yellow look better on you, then you're probably a warm. If the Barbie pink looks okay on you or it looks really good, you're probably more a cool. Mm. Um, but then we'd sort of go into uh, how bright is your colouring and um how much difference is there between the darkest element of your colouring and the lightest element of your colouring? Because that's the other thing we found when using you again as an example, Makala. Um, you don't have anything as dark as black. You don't, you don't have black hair. You don't have black eyebrows. You know, there's, there's nothing about your colouring that is very, very dark. So when we put something like black next to you or on you, it draws our eye away from your face. Mm. And what I'm looking for is I'm looking for the kind of harmony in what you wear. So people will just say, oh, you look well, Makala. I don't even, I don't want them to really say, oh, what an amazing dress. Because yeah. sometimes people say, oh, that's a you know bold choice with that dress. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if they saw the dress before they saw you, then maybe <laughs> it's not quite right. I want them to look at you and think you look amazing. I want them to look at your eyes. I want them to look at your mouth. I want them to hear you when you speak. So I want what you wear to do that. Mm. Um, it's something interesting that I really learned from you too. Like, and, and the example you were just giving with the the yoki yellow, like I always kind of thought that if yellow doesn't look good on you, then yellow doesn't look good on you. But yet in my colour swatch, like I've, there's actually a yellow that did look good on me. Because I'm the kind of person where, you know, someone would go, oh, red doesn't look good on you. And so I'd be like, forevermore, there will be no red within any shade or anything in my wardrobe. <laughs> so that that was one of the things that I that I really found interesting. And I know you spoke about it before with the the undertone. Or is it undertones? Oh, Again, look, I am not artistic in any way. <laughs> But that's, I think because I often work with people who don't care about colour, don't pay much attention to it, don't want to know, Yeah, I will say to them, okay, look, here's, like I said, here's your Dulux colour chart. Here are the words that are used to describe these colours if you ever saw them in shops. Uh, here's what it's not. Uh, so they can at least ask for something they yeah. can say. Um, they, they never need to worry. I can say um, here's the extreme examples of, you know, do not buy these things. Um, so for you, yes, you do have a, a pale cool lemon color mm. uh so so it's, there's no point really oh, when we even talk about cool and warm and all the rest of it it's if someone's not interested why should they have to care mm. <laughs> I, i'd rather True. give them i'd rather either help them get the things they need in their wardrobe and they don't ever have to think about it again <laughs> until, yeah. until their coloring changes or something like that but then it's usually unless they make a big change themselves um it's usually not a massive change that we need to make. It's more a tweak. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, most people can wear a version of most colours. Yeah. that That's, I think, what was most interesting to me. I 
I was just like, if you can't wear yellow, you just can't wear yellow, full stop. But you might not like yellow. And so also if you don't like yellow, I'm not going to tell you to wear it. No, uh, I don't I like would... yellow. And that that little swatch on my colour chart does tend to get hidden. <laughs> but that said, I have found a pattern that's had the yellow in it and it's been like, oh, that actually looks good. So whereas before I would have just seen a pattern with yellow and gone, nope, can't go anywhere near that. So I suppose like with anything, there's so many different, you know, it ebbs and flows in different materials and patterns and all that sort of thing as well. Well, that's a big part of it too is the kinds of fabrics you like. I do take into consideration people's preferences and they may or may not like certain fabrics. They may or may not like certain colours. So fine, we work within that. I'm not, I never try to impose or you have to wear this because it looks good on you or you can never wear that. Uh, It's more a case of how do you want to be perceived? How do you want to feel? Mm. Um, What feels good for you? Let's work within that and then, okay, you know how to put yourself together now to suit all the different contexts in your life with what you have in your wardrobe. Yeah. So speaking of wardrobes, I'm guessing that you would get to see inside of a lot of different people's wardrobes. I do. So I love it. <laughs> have you noticed any like common themes or challenges that people have? A lot of people have a lot of stuff. They have a lot of clothes. Uh <laughs> One thing I've noticed is a lot of people have a lot of scarves, like people who never wear scarves. I've never seen them in a scarf the whole time I've known them. They own a lot of scarves. So that's a, <laughs> that's, that's a common. And I think people buy them because we're not sure. We're trying to make something work or someone says well, we need some more colour. And so it's just um, one of my clients talked about it being sort of a hit and miss. I should just go and buy something um, and then not wear it because it's itchy or just looked weird. But most of the the common thing I notice is some people people own a lot of clothes they don't wear. So when mm. we pull out the things they do wear, most of us only wear a few things. I mean, if you've been on holiday and you've worn the same clothes over and over and, you know, most of us are actually fairly okay with that. Yeah. So once we go through what you know, what fits, what you don't like, what, what you do like, why, <laughs> um, and then helping people to choose you know, just just a couple of colours that all work together um, and then give them a little shopping list. Mm. Um, yeah. And also I guess a lot of people's wardrobes are not organised in any particular way that helps them get dressed. So I'll help people work out how some people hang together outfits so they know they could reach, you know, if it's a job interview kind of outfit or a, you know, formal outfit, I get them just to hang everything together for that outfit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, or some people hang their, their wardrobe in colour so they can see, they can combine things differently so that they might think, oh, I want to put together a, you know, blue, something blue with something red. Oh, I didn't realise I had those things. And once seeing them next to each other, you've got different possibilities. And some people hang them by item, all the pants together, all the skirts together. Um, but usually people that I work with end up with quite a small wardrobe of things they like. Mm. And then that they are often not big shoppers. I'm not a big shopper. Um, I just want to wear things that I enjoy that are you know and keep them in good condition and um, mend them and I get them repaired or I'll get them tailored if I need to get them changed to fit me better. Um, but I do have a different 
summer wardrobe to my winter wardrobe. That's the other thing. Some people um, have everything all in one cupboard. If you live in a place where you have quite distinct seasons, uh, it can be quite good just to pack away the clothes you're not wearing so you can see what you do have. So do you do that living in Tasmania? Because, you know, 90% of our time is winter. <laughs> I do actually, because I enjoy the, um, I enjoy the unboxing yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I forgot I owned that. Or, and also get very sick of wearing the same things over and over in winter. So psychologically, it's quite good to pack, pack some of those things away. Mm-hmm. Mm. And I'm a lot more colourful in summer than I am in winter as well. So the colours I wear change quite significantly from one season to the next. Oh, really? Hmm. Do you know why that is? Is that just, is it because, like, I don't know, the world's brighter? Or is well, there a psychological reason? Well, I mean, it's, I guess it's, it could be psychological, but it's also, um, yeah, the sun's higher in the sky and with the, the quality of the light is different. So mm. um, I think colours look different uh, and I don't know I think it might also be a function of winter uh, winter wardrobes in general the clothes that are available for winter clothing are they as colourful as summer clothing mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think they are I think they're generally right. darker and heavier and heavier fabrics and those kinds of things so um, yeah I definitely feel a bit lighter in summer I feel uh, more playful I suppose and lighter and maybe our ideas about the formality of our clothing is different as well mm. in, in summer. But I get, I mean, some of my clients have moved here from somewhere else and they don't know how to dress for this climate. So that's a big part of a change they've made, you know, how do they still look professional? How do they be approachable? If you move somewhere like from Noosa or imagine, you know, you've got, yeah. um, you're, you're all floaty linens and there's a big, you know, big generalization, but um, you know, if, if you're all uh, tropical floaty fabrics and, you know, bright lipsticks and, um, and then you turn up in the middle of a Tasmanian winter and walk down the street, um, you're going to look like a flamingo. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Um, which is if that's that's the impression you want to make and that's how you want to be perceived and that's part of your style great but if it's unintentional um, and that's a big part of what I do with people it's how do you be intentional about what you're choosing to wear and how you're seen I know you did on a podcast you did that I was listening to Makala and you were talking about we don't have any power over how people perceive us that you know you're talking about as a buddhist that people um people will project things so you you can't be completely in charge of how people see you and that they'll always hear what you have to say and understand it we're we're going to be constantly misunderstood because other people are hearing through their own filters and seeing through their own so part of it to me um this process of being fade proof is um to have a sense of yeah, how you want to show up in the world and to dress yourself into that if that's what's required. Sometimes it is that feeling of I need to go to this event and I need to feel this way. Mm. Um, so I, I will dress myself into feeling like that. Um, and I guess I'm maximising my chances of being heard. Of course mm. I can't guarantee my chance of being heard. But I'm also, I guess I, I'm also avoiding being dismissed I'm avoiding someone dismissing me out of hand before I've even opened my mouth. So I suppose exerting whatever control or whatever influence you can where you can um, 
And maybe in part it is that you've set your mood and your intention and you're feeling good and you show up and you're smiling and you're comfortable. Mm. You know, that, maybe that's 99% of the job and it doesn't matter particularly what you're wearing, uh, but it's supporting you to feel how you want to feel and to be seen how you want to be seen. Yeah, I really like that. That that really resonates well with me. So Susie, tell us if there's someone listening right now who's feeling a bit flat about their personal style, like can are there three tips that you could give them to help them, you know, start to move into feeling more like themselves? Yeah. Um, if you like words, I would say try to come up with a couple of words for how you'd like to be perceived when you meet someone new. So um, as I was saying before, you might want to come across as, you know, approachable and reliable or colour loving and um, creative or um, professional but uh, dynamic, say. You know, so like what are those words that you might um, want to uh, hold in your mind when you're choosing what you wear. And then, then you can think about, okay, so I'm feeling a bit flat today, but if I, you know, if I want it to be perceived in that way. Um, the, the other, if you don't like words, some people think about somebody who has uh, qualities they admire. Mm-hmm. So you might think, oh, I want to take a bit of Helen Mirren energy into my next meeting. I love that. <laughs> so what would then it's just what would Helen Mirren do? <laughs> what would Helen Mirren <laughs> wear? You know, sometimes it's the ex- externalizing it, stepping away from yourself a little bit to sort of say, that's a quality I admire. And you probably admire it because you have it. Yeah. You've noticed it because you have it. So it's not you're trying to pretend to be someone you're not. Um so I'd say yeah, to either find those words that describe how you want to be seen or how you feel about yourself or think about someone with it, um, with qualities you admire and then act as though you're, you're dressing them or they're helping you to dress. Uh, the, the quickest way to, if you're feeling a bit flat about how you look or, if, or you get dressed and you think, oh, I keep putting things on and taking them off because like, they don't feel right. Yeah. Take a, there's often a problem with the, your darkness and lightness of your colouring. So take a photo of yourself in an outfit if and if you want to work it out what's working or not. Turn it into black and white. Usually on your phone you have a filter that you can turn things on to black and white or grayscale. And then have a look. Um, what's the darkest thing about your colouring and what's the lightest thing about your colouring? Um, and then look at what you're wearing. Is it very different so often, so if I'm wearing black, the black looks very different to my head because I have light brown hair and very pale skin. Mm-hmm. And so all you see is this floaty white head at the top of this big block of black. And so they're, they're very different. So um, I'd say don't wear things that are too much darker than your darkest features would be a big tip. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, um, harmony. So if you aim for harmony, so pick some colors from your features and try to repeat them in your clothing so you've got blue eyes you can wear a lot of blues quite successfully yeah um so um that's that's one way of doing it so often people will have an idea of what makes their eyes look good because people will often say say that when you um wearing an outfit they'll say oh your eyes look really nice in that yeah so Though pick one of those successful colours and then ask people you know. Like if you have you got a friend who's um, able to be 
clear eyed, but you know, fairly straightforward with you and to say, could we try out a few things from my wardrobe? And can you let me know which ones, which ones are good and which ones aren't? And if they're, and then get rid of things that are horrible, get rid of things that make you feel horrible every time you wear them. That would be my other tip. Just don't, don't do that to yourself anymore. Your body can do so much better than that. And that's really good advice. We do tend to hang on to things like that, don't we? It's like. Oh, yeah. We hang on to something because it was expensive or because it's a good label or someone gave it to us. And you know that you never wear it. You know you put it on and you take it off again. Why is it Mm. in your wardrobe? Go and sell it at a consignment shop um, or or have a clothes swap party. That's actually a really good way of getting other people's advice. Um, As long as it's not a bunch of friends who are just nice about everything to the point where they won't tell you the truth <laughs> yeah. so you need some you know not so nice but good friends yeah. um you need some honest friends and then just swap them with people but often getting those um other people's opinions when they're not trying to sell you something so not being at a shop yeah um can be really useful and just to say to some of all okay what what would you put on me and or just be willing to try on like I said try on a whole different range of reds try yeah. on all these different kinds of greens um, and then, um, you know, or, or go take yourself on a trip to a whole bunch of shops and set yourself the goal that you're not buying anything today. You're just on a, like a science experiment trip <laughs> to try on lots of different kinds of colors, uh, just to see what they look like on you. And maybe take a photo of each in the change room. Like you'll feel really dorky, but take some photos in the change room. Cause when you look at them later, you will see them completely differently than you did in the change room. And, and it is, again, um, stepping away from yourself a little bit so you can see yourself the way other people might see you. Yeah. Mm. And there's one more question I want to ask you, and this is one, like, I like to think of myself as a bit of a, a feminist. So this is it's something that I wanted to address. So s- some women feel a bit of shame or... I don't know, embarrassment, like we're, we sh- I don't know, we're doing the wrong thing, worrying about our appearance, you know, like it's not very feminist of us to be concerned about these things, um, you know, or that we shouldn't be worried that we judge on our appearance rather than our work. So, you know, from your background in corporate and your experience as a professional communicator and stylist, like, What's your opinion on this? What words of wisdom or can you give us on that? I too feel that sense of, oh, we shouldn't have to worry about this. And is this is this shallow or and I think that's internalized misogyny, really. Mm-hmm. I think um every culture that we have records of has adorned themselves for a variety of purposes, Mm. whether that's to show they belong, whether that's to um, celebrate their bodies, whether it's to show where they are at particular points in their life. All of the cultures in the world have always adorned themselves and used different signifiers. So, of course, we are the kinds of animals (laughs) who um, care about our appearance because Appearance signals so many things. We are designed to observe other people's appearance to tell us 
are we safe? Are we welcome? Are we, you know, there's so many things that are happening when we're looking at other people. So um, I am a feminist and I uh, took a long time to accept that I really care about this That um, because I, I'd grown up thinking I was a tomboy and, oh, there are women who care about their appearance of vain and um, once I started looking at it as, wow, actually, um, there are some people whose ideas are never going to be considered, even though they're the smartest person in the room. Mm. And uh, what a shame. <laughs> what a shame. So I, I think it's, um, it's complex, isn't it? It's a, mm. it's a tricky one. But it also can be so enjoyable. I really... I never thought I would have said if you'd asked the sort of 15-year-old me who was, you know, <laughs> um, a tomboy. Um, I love fabric and I love colour and I love helping someone put themselves together so they uh, they suddenly light up. Mm. There you go, oh, there you are. <laughs> there you are. Um, and where they feel really comfortable and they're stepping out from behind themselves. Uh, so I think it's a really powerful form of self-expression. It can be really joyful. It can be a pleasure. It can be a pleasure to wear something that feels beautiful on your skin. It can be a pleasure to see that thing in your wardrobe and to run your hand over it. Mm. Um, and the other thing is I was thinking about we are actually each other's backdrops. So wherever you go, you are the backdrop to someone else's life. I'm not saying that we should have to be pretty or be be something particular, but it is quite nice when you see someone and they have t- taken some care with what they're wearing and you think, oh, look at that. Like, that's so great. That's so lovely. Why that, those colours together look fabulous or, wow, what, a, you know, what an amazing, um, you know, jumper with some incredible colours in it. Why is that any less of a pleasure than seeing a beautiful flower or something else that's that's um, pleasing in the world? And, and to be able to do that on purpose and to be that kind of backdrop in other people's lives sometimes, I think that's a nice thing to be able to do. I absolutely love that answer. Thank you so much for that. <laughs> there are so many things to think about there. Um, I won't go into them because I think it's about time that we we wrap up because otherwise we could just keep going forever but yeah that was a really really good answer to that question thank you so much for that so Susie before we do finish up can you tell us where can our audience find you if they want to learn more or they'd like to reach out and potentially work with you my website is uh, Susie Cooper S-U-Z-Y-C-O-O-P-E-R dot com dot au that's probably the best way to find me you can book a free chat with me if you want to or reach out to me by email through that website fantastic and so what of everything you've told us today of which there has been an awful lot what is the one thing that you would like to take to have our listeners take away and keep front of mind about everything you've talked about today when it comes to you know being fade-proof? I want you to remain current. (laughs) I want you to remain current so people know that your ideas are current, that your skills are current. So 
um, having going to the hairdresser and saying, I've had the same hairstyle for quite a while, uh, can you help me to look a little more current? You know, not trendy um, because then you're showing your currency. You are showing your value. You are showing up as someone who's worth listening to, who's part of this world, this moment. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. If you enjoyed it, hit subscribe. If you'd like to learn more, then check out our website, www.workwifewinetime.com.au. While you're there, jump on our mailing list to receive special updates and offers from our guests. Until next time... Take care and drink responsibly.